Turk, and welcome to another episode of Brain Break, the podcast where we break down the brain to discover what's really going on inside that magnificent organ of yours. On today's episode, we're talking about auditory processing disorder and how it relates to the brain and eventually impacts learning. So to begin with tonight's episode, I just wanted to give a little bit of background information on why I've selected this topic for brain breaks. I have two main reasons beyond just curiosity um, for why I've chosen this topic. The first is that in my 10 years of teaching, um, I have met a lot of students with a lot of different needs and um, strengths and areas for growth. And I'm constantly reflecting on where I could have done better, what role I've played in hopefully helping them and assisting them along their educational journey. And I'm just really reflective about what my role was as their teacher. Working in Southwest Philadelphia for nearly 10 years within special education, I especially have seen a lot of different diagnoses and a lot of different behaviors and a lot of different manifestations of um, disabilities. And as I've learned a bit about auditory processing disorder, I couldn't help but think about the many students I've had that may have actually had auditory processing disorder, but may have definitely have not received a diagnosis because I have never taught anybody with a formal diagnosis of auditory processing disorder before. However, upon learning about auditory processing disorder, I couldn't help but see a lot of overlap between how APD, auditory processing disorder, manifests itself and the behaviors I saw in my students. So that was one reason for choosing this topic. The other reason I had for choosing this topic was because my cousin Lisa, who I wrote about in a previous assignment for this course, also has auditory processing disorder. And when I learned of her diagnosis, it stood out to me because as a special education major in undergrad and then working in education, I really realized I didn't know that much about it. Um, And I previously did an assignment for Lisa because she was diagnosed with ADHD, which often will get diagnosed in conjunction with APD. And I've seen how it's impacted her life as a student. I see how it impacts her life presently as a young adult and how it also has impacted her learning throughout the years. And so I was very interested in learning more about auditory processing disorder. Before diving in to today's episode, I just want to discuss a few articles and resources that I'll be referencing throughout this episode. Um, I have read a text by Ho Chung, 2014, titled Understanding Developmental Disorders of Auditory Processing language, and literacy across languages, international perspectives, and that's from Information Age Publishing. I've also watched a video from Utah Neurorehabilitation that was published on October 20th, 2017, titled Understanding Auditory Processing Disorder. It can be found on YouTube. The 
website understood.org has a plethora of resources on APD and three articles in particular that they had on the topic that I will be referencing today from various authors on understood.org um, starting from 2017 through 2020 were seven things I wish people knew about parenting a child with auditory processing disorder. The second one was classroom accommodations for auditory processing disorder. And the third is auditory processing disorder, what you need to know. And last but not least, I will be using the information learned from our course textbook, The Art of Changing the Brain by Zoll. And all of these resources today will be discussed not separately, but in conjunction with one another throughout the different topics of APD that we will be discussing. Before we dive right in, it's time for our first brain break. Did you know that currently many people are not diagnosed with auditory processing disorder, but research has shown that could be upwards of 20% of our population has APD. So why so low diagnosis rates? Well, even though it's called auditory processing disorder, people with APD often don't have any issues with hearing and show no speech delays. So don't be confused by its name. APD actually has nothing to do with your ability to physically hear. Okay, let's dive right in. Let's start with an explanation of what APD is and how it relates to the brain. Before we can dive into APD, we have to know what auditory processing is. And it's a foundational skill for reading, language, and learning. APD is the disconnect between how sounds are heard and how they're processed. It's a disruption in the ability to process verbals or sounds. It's been described as a glitch from hearing the sounds to the brain's ability to decode it, interpret it, and remember the sound, and then eventually being able to put that sound to meaning. In APD, there are four auditory processing skills that people may struggle with. The first is auditory discrimination. And what that means is noticing, comparing, and distinguishing between separate sounds. And one of the ways that this manifests is I may be able to say, the cat jumped on the chair. Somebody with APD may actually hear that as the cow went over there. You can imagine when you're listening or reading a text that that can really mess up with the context of what you're listening to or what you're seeing. The second auditory processing skill that people with APD may struggle with is auditory figure sound discrimination. So focusing on the important sounds in a noisy setting. Think about it. You're at a party pre-COVID and there are a lot of people around you talking. The ability to hone in on the person that you're having a conversation with and ignore everybody else is an auditory processing skill. People with APD struggle in this area in that they have a hard time focusing on what is actually crucial and important for them to understand 
and drowning out the rest of the background noise. The third skill is auditory memory, which involves recalling what you've heard either immediately or in the future. And so this has to do with memory, in particular working memory. When you're reading or listening something and listening to somebody speaking in a course or class, this becomes a humongous issue. We'll talk in a little bit about how one of the ways that APD really shows itself a symptom is behavioral issues with kids. And one of the reasons for that is because they struggle with auditory memory, recalling what they've been told. So how are you supposed to follow an instruction if you can't remember what it was? The fourth auditory processing skill is auditory sequencing or understanding and recalling the order of sounds and words, which basically means everything is getting jumbled up. Where does this fit in with the brain? Well, something to think about is from an evolutionary standpoint, we as humans have had a really unique ability to decode phonetic information. And that's within an acoustic signal, a sound. So we have the ability to take that phonetic information and merge units of perception to meaningful words, sentences, discussions. That's a trait that's unique to us, and evolutionarily, we need it. This wild process, this connection, occurs automatically. Whenever the brain encounters an acoustic input, a sound, composed of phonetic information, the process of decoding it and merging it to meaning happens automatically. It's within that very unique evolutionary standpoint that people with APD are struggling. Further, speech perception primarily engages neurons in the left temporal lobe, which makes it one of the most profound examples of hemispheric asymmetry. So basically, it's, a, it's an extreme example of the specialization of functions to one of the cerebral hemispheres. APD can be conceptualized as an impairment in processing of information in the auditory central nervous system with difficulties identifying or discriminating sound despite having normal hearing sensitivity. So if you recall back to our brain break, people with APD often go undiagnosed because their hearing presents as normal because it is. Because APD actually doesn't have anything to do with your body's ability to hear. APD is very much in the brain. It's in that ability to merge what we're hearing and tie it to meaning. It's in the neurons within our temporal lobe. So APD is not a hearing impairment. It's an impairment within the brain. And we'll discuss a little bit later that APD is often diagnosed, as it is with my cousin, in conjunction with other diagnoses, including high-functioning autism and ADHD being two of the primary ones that APD is usually linked with. 
So when you think about APD, think less about hearing the sounds that are coming in and more about that it isn't actually a disability within the brain. However, there are treatments and accommodations available. It's time for our next brain break. Did you know that auditory processing disorder can impact people of all ages and in many different ways? APD is not just a diagnosis for young children, although many of the symptoms may show in behavior and academics. Adults can also struggle with auditory processing disorder. One of the reasons that APD can be so difficult for people struggling from it is because following directions is extremely troubling. As we get older, we are expected to follow not just one step direction, but multi-step directions. So APD can be equally as troubling for people in older age as it can be for people in younger ages. For our next segment of this episode, we'll be talking about the implications that APD has on learning. As you can imagine from our previous segment about how APD is related to the brain, there are many ways that APD affects learning, and usually not in a positive way. One of the ways is academically. If not addressed, APD will undermine the natural development of reading and learning. For all the reasons we discussed earlier, APD makes it extremely difficult for students to learn how to read for a multitude of reasons. But one of those being, it's hard to make sense of what you're reading if your input sounds different in your brain than it actually is. So this can have significant delays with reading. Impairments in auditory memory and inability to focus and sustain attention on auditory signals are also included within APD. So remembering what we're hearing after we're hearing it can clearly impact learning in many ways. It's very hard to retain information if your auditory memory is not allowing you to withhold some of that information. A typical presentation of APD is of a school-aged child and a complaint of quote-unquote listening difficulties. Even though they have normal hearing sensitivity and display poor academic achievement, a lot of teachers and adults say that children with, who are later diagnosed with APD actually have listening difficulties. When I, talk about er- when I talked earlier about one of the reasons for choosing this topic was because I was thinking about my past students, this was one of the reasons. I can't tell you how many times I've had a student where I've said, well, what did I say before? Can you repeat what your classmate just said? And of course, sometimes there's the one-off that, you know, they were just daydreaming. But for some of these students that consistently they could not answer those questions, even though they could hear physically, they had normal hearing sensitivity, they had a really difficult time repeating back to me 
what they had just heard, whether it be from me or, or a classmate. And so there's a strong possibility that at least several of the students I've taught over 10 years actually went undiagnosed with APD. One of the other things that makes me think of this is behavior. So APD is seen as a deficit in the neural processing of sound. It's not due to higher order language, cognitive, or related factors. The behavioral consequences of APD usually include misunderstanding rapid speech, difficulties following directions, being able to listen in noisy environments, singing, or even appreciating music, and determining the location of sound. With all of these things taken into account, it's not surprising that one of the major symptoms of APD in young kids is behavioral issues. And there's a few examples of this. A student refuses seemingly to comply with a direction, but that student can't repeat back to you what the direction was. Were they trying to be difficult on purpose? Perhaps. But over time, if this is repeated, it should be looked into that APD could be the cause of that. It's also not shocking to find out that behavioral issues are one of the symptoms and side effects of APD because if you're having trouble reading, listening, keeping up in social communication, following along, being able to listen to a classmate you're supposed to be working with during group projects and the classroom's extremely loud, all of those things are incredibly frustrating. So to put yourself in the shoes of a student with APD, it's really difficult to stay afloat in a classroom, let alone learning. The learning cycle is actually halted for kids with APD because starting with the neurons that are taking in all the auditory stimuli, right in that first step after it's actually being taken in and heard, the brain has a glitch. And right away, the brain struggles with adding meaning and deciphering the sound that was just coming in, the words that it was taking in. And so the learning cycle is crucial for being able to take in that sensory information and then work across cortexes to make meaning and then to hold that information and to store it and retain it with memory, which we know now one of the symptoms of APD is lack of auditory memory. And so in a lot of different ways, and, and they're all very interrelated, APD really, really harms the learning process. And so even though these students, and one of the things in the articles that a parent said that they wish people would know about APD, is that their child is smart. Their child is intelligent. And in other articles and sources, this was one of the common 
complaints or sayings of parents of children with APD is to say, I know my kid, my kid is smart, but they're just hitting this wall or they're, they're just not getting it. They just can't listen. It's worth looking into that that could be APD. And stepping back and looking at the role that auditory processing plays in learning, and there's a glitch there, learning's probably not happening. And for our final section in today's episode, I'm going to make some recommendations on how schools and anybody that has to do with the learning process can improve based on our understanding of APD and the brain. Understood.org has a lot of great resources on APD, and there's an entire article titled Classroom Accommodations for Auditory Processing Disorders. And I would encourage all schools to read this article and for all teachers to take some of this information and apply it in their classrooms. APD diagnoses or not, there are a lot of really great recommendations and accommodations in here that we can provide for students who may be struggling in a lot of similar ways that kids with APD struggle. Some of these areas are providing quiet areas for independent work, checking in frequently with the students, giving extra time for testing. Another thing is directions. It's easy as teachers to just roll out directions very quickly. Do this, then this, then this, then this. As we've discussed with auditory processing disorder, it's extremely difficult for students to, one, know what you said, and two, to remember it. And so chunking work together and providing simple step-by-step directions, one nugget at a time, will go a lot further and help with the learning process for somebody with APD than providing multiple steps in a row. It's easy to get really frustrated with somebody with APD. And it's unfortunate because you may not want to be frustrated But it might feel frustrating to say something to somebody and they just don't get it. Imagine also how frustrating it is to be that person who just doesn't get it and you know you're not getting it and you're missing something. So it's really, really important to be understanding, to educate yourself as as a teacher, and then to make sure that you're doing everything you can to support that student, starting with being patient. You may want to just repeat what you said to a student and maybe even louder if they don't understand or they have questions, but try rephrasing. Sometimes saying something in a different way may be just what they need to hear to understand it. And finally, understand that APD is actually fairly common. The likelihood that 20% of people have APD means that if you're a teacher, you're going to be teaching somebody with APD. Try applying the accommodations before making assumptions. Let me say that again. Accommodations before assumptions. Because APD manifests itself so much in low academic performance and behavioral issues, it's easy to jump to conclusions 
But a good rule of thumb, and not just for APD, but in general, is to try different things. Try different avenues. Don't just assume that a child is lazy or just doesn't care or doesn't want to learn. APD makes it extremely difficult for kids to learn. There are seemingly a million hurdles that they have to jump over just to achieve a simple task of reading or listening. It's not because they don't want to. It's because they can't. It's because there's a glitch. And so before making assumptions, try the accommodations. If they help, keep using them. APD is not the end game for learning. It's just a little bit of a mountain that some students have to climb over to reach the end goal. Accommodations before assumptions. And that concludes today's episode of Brain Break. Thank you so much for joining me in learning about APD, how it's related to the brain, how it has, unfortunately, some negative implications for learning, but then different things that schools and adults can do to help people diagnosed with APD and improve their chances of learning. Again, thank you for joining me and have a wonderful evening. Thank you.